0: So I've been I've been reading some papers and I think the scientific consensus is that our cat Tigger is scientifically the cutest cat.
1: Definitely the cutest cat in the world. There's no cat cuter than him and there can be no cat cuter than him. Just facts yeah just facts. The only cat that might be cuter than Tigger would be Tigger as a baby <laughs> And I just I'll never
0: well, we've know we've never what seen that looks him as a baby like. though because you adopted yeah. him as an adult.
1: Yeah, he was already full-grown cuteness, which, you know, has its pluses, but that dream of being able to see him in his kittenhood is something I'll never be able to fulfill, and that just makes me really sad.
0: I mean, if you have an extra $100,000 lying around, we could always find out what he would look like as a kitten by cloning him.
1: Cloning him? I don't know, that's a little weird, but it is, I'm willing l- to learn about it.
0: <laughs> I'll, no, I'll give it to you. It is a little weird, but... I'll tell you exactly how it works, and then we can sort of decide and also get an extra (laughs) $100,000.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) Let's go. Welcome to Beginner's Guide to Playing God, where we teach you how to
0: use or abuse
1: science to shape the world. I'm your co host, Danny Vellon.
0: And I'm Jim Valcourt. And I'm evil Jim Valcourt. Whoa, Jim, are there two of you now? Yeah, because today we're talking about cloning. Can you even imagine the wacky hijinks (laughs) we'll (laughs) get? I'm I'm sorry, I can't do this. What are we even doing?
1: Yeah, Jim, that is not how cloning works, and I know that you know that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just. You know, everyone has these preconceived notions about cloning, but the way that it works in movies is just wrong. It's not how it works. It's not like a photocopier. You're not magically producing a new adult animal with the same thoughts and personality. It's a lot more like, I would just make an identical twin that happens to be born later, so... If I clone myself, like, today, I'd end up with a baby who will eventually grow up to look like me, which is Like, 31 a lot years less, from now. <laughs> yeah, and it's a lot less, like, <laughs> interesting from a movie perspective.
1: Right. So, like, when we hear clone, we should think more like an identical twin, but one then has to be raised from infancy all the way to adulthood, starting now, whenever we clone them.
0: Exactly. So, yeah.
1: you know, what is cloning, actually, if it's not this, like, photocopy way where you like just magically have an adult version we know that you've got to start from like another baby but like how do you get from you
0: know original organism to cloned organism yeah well you've you might have heard that like every cell in your body contains a complete copy of your dna does that sound familiar yeah for sure well so that means right that each cell has the full blueprint that you need to make a new copy of you
1: Yeah, but, like, I can't just pluck off, like, any one of my random skin cells and, like, make it grow into another copy of my own self.
0: No, that's right. But even though that skin cell has all the information, it is, like, packed away and deactivated. So what you would need to do in order to make a new, like, copy of yourself is to reactivate that information or that program. So how would we do that? Well, it turns out that... Egg cells contain proteins and, and other components that are really good at reactivating those dormant programs. So all we have to do is combine the genetic information from your skin cell with the, like, reactivating environment of the egg.
1: So can we just, like, fuse the skin cell in the egg cell environment and, like you know, magically have enough stuff. Yeah. Because that's science, right? It's just like magically shoving a bunch (laughs) of stuff together and then you get something cool.
0: Oh, that's exactly science, yeah. (laughs) I mean, but no, you're right. That is the essence of like cloning an animal. That reactivated skin cell becomes an embryo that you can implant into the uterus and grow into an adult.
1: That's pretty cool, and I think you said today we're going to talk about how to use this magical skin cell plus egg cell smashing together process to clone Tigger, so how do we do that?
0: Right, uh, for the very important scientific purpose of cloning our cat. (laughs) The most important
1: use of cloning that I can think of, personally.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I think that in the past, uh, the way that we've used cloning has sometimes been just about as frivolous as that. So it's not uh totally out of bounds, right?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I guess when I think of cloning and like what I know about it, I really just sort of think immediately about Dolly the sheep, who I know is like one of the first clone animals. Yeah. Uh, and she her- was the
0: first cloned mammal, and she made this huge splash back in nineteen ninety six when I don't know, what was big then? Beanie Babies? Something like that?
1: Beanie Babies, Power Rangers, you know, casual 90s fun with
0: also Dolly the Sheep. Exactly. Well, so she was cloned from a cell taken from adult sheep. So just like your skin cell example, they instead actually took a mammary cell from an adult sheep in order to clone Dolly. Uh, And then they, of course, named her after Dolly Parton. Uh... Because they used a mammary cell, and they wanted to make sure that their big scientific achievement was forever tainted with an off-color joke.
1: <laughs> yeah, makes sense. I mean, mammary cell, boobs, Dolly Parton. That's the complete Great. normal... Good
0: job, science. ...mental link. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so they took this mammary cell, and they or rather they took a bunch of mammary cells and tried to fuse them to eggs and it took them over 250 attempts in order to actually do this but eventually they got a uh, embryo that they could put into a surrogate mother and produce Dolly.
1: And so after they had Dolly the sheep, did people start using this cloning technique for like other livestock, mammals and you know basically using it for agriculture, livestock farming?
0: Yeah, it was still sort of expensive and kind of difficult for a long time, and and it's actually still not the easiest way of of making a new adult animal. Uh, So it is actually pretty common for maintaining livestock in the sense of like using it for husbandry. So if you have a particular, uh, you know, stud, I don't know anything about husbandry. If you have a particular animal that you would like another genetic copy of, Uh, They will use cloning in order to uh, perpetuate that line, but then you actually make the vast majority of livestock through uh, normal reproductive methods.
1: Yeah, so it could basically be a way, like, if you found you know, a male whose genes are, like, really awesome and produce really good offspring. And you then, want another copy yeah, of him. and exactly. you don't want to lose that once he dies. You could just kind of keep cloning him forever. <laughs> Precisely, yeah.
0: It's also been used for not-so-useful purposes, though. So, for example, there's this world champion polo player named Adolfo Cambiaso, who I read about who apparently in 2016 won one of the most prestigious polo competitions while riding six different horses that were all clones of one another. So I guess in polo, you have to like swap between horses pretty frequently, and so you end up This guy ended up training all six of these horses the exact same way, and they're genetic, identical copies of one another. And so it's like he was just riding the same horse the whole time, is what he said.
1: That's super bizarre and kind of reminds me of, like, Star Wars Stormtroopers, like, all being the (laughs) same, where you just train them to do the same weird stuff over
0: and over again. Okay, now I'm picturing Adolfo Cambiasso riding on the back of a Stormtrooper, (laughs) so thanks very much. (laughs) And then in the pet realm, there is a Korean company that will clone your dog for $100,000. And apparently, two of Barbara Streisand's dogs are clones. So this whole, like, cloning your pet thing is, fortunately or unfortunately, a real thing that you can do if you have a stupid amount all of All
1: right, money. I'm ready. Let's start saving now. <laughs> 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 Screw buying but- a house. We'll just clone Tigger. <laughs> 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 well, before I totally commit to spending all of our savings... On cloning my cat. Uh, maybe I should know a little bit
0: more about how cloning actually works. Great, yeah. Time to talk about how it actually works. So, as an example, I'm gonna use this Korean company that will clone your dog for $100,000. So, I'll walk through the steps of how that actually works. Uh, and then, most cloning, uh, you know, there are gonna be some variations on this, but a lot of it is, is uh, the same sort of procedure here. So the first step is you need a sample of a cell from the animal you want to clone. And so in this case, we're gonna use skin cells. And so we're gonna take a biopsy of the skin cells from the animal we wanna clone. Just like take a little punch of skin poor cells. Poor
1: little Tigger.
0: I know, poor Tigger. <laughs> but don't worry, that's like the last that Tigger has to be involved in this. So we're gonna take a little plug of skin cells And we're going to break it up into the individual cells, and we're going to grow them in a dish in a lab. And that allows us to get enough cells to sort of work with for the next steps. Then it gets a little gross. So we need a, a donor animal, so in this case, a dog, that we can get eggs from. And the way that you do that with dogs, unfortunately, is you sedate the donor mother dog, cut out her ovaries, and collect her eggs. And uh, that sounds which, dramatic,
1: but that seems to me to be a little bit similar to like how you would spay a dog. So could you just like use ovaries yeah, that I, are left over from that?
0: Yeah, I think it's a similarly I- invasive surgery, uh, but something that we do to dogs already. So now we're gonna use a tiny little glass needle To extract the nucleus from these donor eggs. And so that nucleus is the part of the cell that contains the genetic material. And so we're going to literally reach into the cell and suck out the DNA from that donor egg. So now we just have a big basically sack of uh, proteins and other components that are ready to reprogram the skin cells that we took from the dog that we want to clone. So the final step is to take the skin cells from the dog we want to clone and the prepared egg that is ready to reactivate those skin cells and use an electrical shock to fuse them together.
1: Okay, so what you're basically doing is you're, you're taking these egg cells and rather than leaving the genetic material that's already in those egg cells, you're taking that genetic material out and you're putting in the material of the dog that you want to clone so that when you know these egg cells get used now, they have the, the right DNA versus the DNA of the dog that you took the egg from.
0: Exactly right. It's basically a bait and switch. We're swapping in the DNA from the animal we want to clone.
1: Cool. So, normally when you need to make a new dog, you have an egg cell from a female dog and then you have a sperm cell from a male dog and you have to put them together in order to make a new one. So, in this case, why do you only need the egg cell? Like, how do you get that egg cell to start becoming like a dog, a different, you know, cloned dog?
0: So, during normal reproduction, you have this meeting of the egg cell and the sperm cell. And each of those cells contains essentially half of the genetic material that the adult will need. So the egg cell has half of it, and the sperm cell has the other half. And what we're doing instead is we're taking out the half from the egg cell and just putting in the full complement of genetic material from the skin cell from that animal that we're trying to clone.
1: Okay, so we have this egg cell, and it has the full DNA of the animal that we want to clone in it. But how do we tell that egg cell that it's time to start dividing and actually, like, making a new dog?
0: That's kind of the magic. You really don't need to tell it. Once it's all fused together, it just sort of goes Funky.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's, uh, there are some molecular details, obviously, that I'm glossing over there. Uh, But once you have all of that genetic material inside the egg cell, you're good to go. It'll just (laughs) develop on its own because development is magic. So once we've done that bait and switch and we have the genetic material into the donor egg, the process will pretty much go on its own. That will develop into an adult dog, assuming that uh, everything works properly. And so all we have to do is inject that egg into the uterus of a surrogate mother dog, uh, actually kind of in the same way that you would for uh, in vitro fertilization. uh, And then those Essentially, fertilized embryos will then implant into the uterus, hopefully, uh, and grow into uh, baby dogs.
1: Otherwise known as puppies. Otherwise known (laughs) as puppies. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I know a little bit more about cloning. And honestly, it doesn't really seem all that freaky. And I could be convinced that I should spend my extra $100,000 on cloning my cat. But I have a feeling that's not the full picture, given the title of this podcast. It's Uh, (laughs) it's not the
0: full picture. You're right. Uh, (laughs) And part of the thorny ethical issues here come when you realize that, of course, this is not limited to just cats and dogs. It could also potentially be used on humans. And even though cloning a human with the intention of raising it to give birth to a human is banned in many countries and, as far as we know, has never been done, uh, there are sort of like steps along the way that have happened. So, for example, in January of 2018, uh, a Chinese group reported the birth of the first monkey that was actually cloned and, and raised to adulthood. And so in 2013, scientists actually reported the first cloned human embryos, not for implanting into a uterus. So there was never the possibility that they would develop to be an adult. But rather, they used these embryos to make new stem cells in the lab. And stem cells, as you may know, uh, have the potential to grow into any tissue type in the adult. And so they're used for developing new therapeutics, uh, for learning more about human development, and maybe one day to make whole organs for transplant into uh, patients.
1: Yeah. Okay. Wait. So you said we did actually clone human embryos. We actually yeah. made cloned humans, That's but right. obviously, you know, like you said, they didn't become fully cloned adults. But you know, what's actually stopping that from happening if we have the technology and ability to clone humans at least at a cellular d- level in a petri dish?
0: Yeah, I think that's a totally fair question, because we've known since at least 2018 that it is technically possible to clone a human, implant that into a surrogate mother, and have a cloned human baby born, Uh, which is a really scary thought, I think, Um, but it is... Kind of a legitimate question, like why, even though it's like obviously ethically fraught, why hasn't anyone sort of gone off the rails and tried to do that? Um, I don't really know, partly because we know that, you know, many countries that have the technological acumen to do this have also made it illegal to do so. So that is one barrier. So we've drawn um, the
1: line at least so so far and for now.
0: <laughs> we have at least so far successfully drawn the line there. And I think that it seems that there's sort of a general consensus that that is crossing a line and no one really seems to want to do it. But another reason is why. Like there's no, right. there's no real scientific reason to do it. Uh, there's no even like functional reason to really want to do it it would only be for the notoriety right. and like the so cool I-
1: sciences within the technique itself and being able to just get to that single cell or group of cells that have been cloned and we know we can do that so the only thing remaining is like can a person give birth to this cloned t- group of cells. And the answer is yes. And the, like, answer, obviously is yes, the answer is technically. yes, yeah. um,
0: technically. Right. But that's not like an interesting science question per se. I think I think that's right. I don't I don't think there is any legitimate reason to want to actually clone a human and turn it into an adult, at least not that I know of not yet. And it seems that most people agree with me. And so we haven't done it yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that I have this like, strong visceral negative reaction uh, about cloning, but I don't really have that when it comes to something that I think is really similar, like IVF, you know. uh, With in vitro fertilization, you have a sperm cell and an egg cell in a petri dish, but with cloning, it's just a skin cell and an egg cell. And there's nothing really like fundamentally different about the two when you think about it in that way. Uh, But I still really, you know, don't like cloning for some reason.
0: Yeah, I I think I have the same reaction and I also don't think there's a big obvious moral difference between the two. For me it sort of comes down to, I don't think there are any clear pros to doing human cloning for reproduction, Uh, and there are some maybe nebulous but potentially real cons. So I can imagine this, for example, increasing inequality where only rich people can clone themselves. Uh, I can imagine it placing all sorts of weird expectations on a child who is not just your child, but actually a a carbon copy of you uh, from a genetic perspective.
1: Right. I think my concerns would definitely fall more on the side of, you know, how would we as society treat human clones uh, versus the idea that, you know, cloned humans might exist in the world, right? I think we have a bad track record of treating people not like ourselves as less than. And I could certainly see that happening here with cloned humans, you know, possibly being treated poorly or, you know, to pick an extreme example, uh, maybe even used just for the purposes of like organ harvesting. In general, I don't think we are ready for human clones to be walking among us, but I don't think that there is an inherent issue uh, with the you know process or act of actually cloning a human.
0: Yeah, even though the cons are kind of speculative and maybe a little nebulous, I think the lack of a really clear articulation why this is a good idea means we should leave this particular instance of playing God on the shelf for a little while longer.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't see a real scientific benefit of cloning a human for reproductive purposes. So that's definitely where I would draw the line uh, when it comes to playing God uh, with respect to cloning. But just because I don't see a scientific benefit for cloning humans doesn't mean there aren't good moral reasons to continue using cloning as a technique.
0: Right. And in fact, I would argue that there's potentially a moral imperative to use it for... Uh, saving endangered species. So one possible way of using cloning for endangered species preservation is to maintain the genetic diversity of a small population. So think like pandas, where we destroyed their habitat. At one point, there were only like a thousand pandas left alive on the planet. And so you had to make sure that uh, the pandas that were left Made it in exactly the right combinations in order to maintain their genetic diversity. So you could imagine cloning pandas that have particularly rare or important genotypes.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess I could think of, you know, in addition to trying to save like endangered species, if there are any species that Um, like humans caused to go extinct due to our, you know, negligence (laughs) in the natural world, Uh, we could try to rescue those species and try to undo some of that damage. And we've actually done
0: that recently uh, with the black ferret. So this was a species that human activity caused to go extinct. And because scientists still had a sample sitting in a freezer somewhere, uh, we were able to uh, clone it using a closely related ferret species as the donor uh, and actually create a new black ferret that had previously been completely yeah. extinct from the face of the planet. Which yeah is really I saw wild.
1: that story and he was really cute. So He was in, very cute. In, in general I vote for playing God to clone cute animals. <laughs> mm, okay. I, I think mean, that that's the moral in... <laughs> yeah, the moral imperative we have
0: <laughs> Yeah no I think we've decided that it is playing God And we need to do it in order to make more cute animals.
1: That's right. So if there are any moral considerations or concerns over cloning, we should just put them aside as long as it means that we will have more cute creatures in the world. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on A Beginner's Guide to Playing God. I'm your co-host,
0: Danny Vellon. And I'm Jim Valcourt. If you liked the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this right now.
1: You can find us online at Playing God Pod on Twitter or at playinggodpod.com.
0: And if you have a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear on a future episode or you just want to say hi, shoot us an email at playinggodpod at gmail.com.
1: Thanks to Marcus Way for our intro and outro music, and we'll see you next time.
0: Cool. All right, should we make Have lunch? Have some lunch. Yeah. Yeah.